I have a question for you. What are you doing to support women to leadership positions in your organisation? From all of the work I have done with both individuals and organisations, I have compiled my learnings on this issue in my new guide, 15 Ways to Support Women in Leadership. You can download it for free at happieratwork.ie forward slash resources. The guide addresses not only the individual responsibility of us as women looking to get to those leadership positions, but also the challenge of creating a supportive environment. A reminder of that address, happieratwork.ie forward slash resources. You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. Through a combination of solo episodes and interviews with some incredible guests, we bring you the insights and practical tips to create happier working environments for you and your teams. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or a colleague and leaving a rating or review on your favorite platform. The next one, it was actually one of the newer anchors called Challenge and Risk is how we label it. But it's basically, you don't ever want to be too comfortable doing something that's simple. You always have to be finding something that is oil the ocean hard, or you, you're sort of a risk junkie. A friend many, many years ago was a capital markets financial instrument trader and was given the opportunity to become a manager in that same department or whatever. No, it was the challenge of your life on the line with every trade you make. It was what motivated him. He didn't want to manage other people doing that. In 2023, the world has embraced that idea. But when this research started at the Sloan Business School at MIT, Ed and other people working on it knew that those people were all gonna say, I wanna be the boss. I wanna be the general manager. I'm at business school because I wanna be a CEO. I think we've moved past that. And they discovered in the research that if nine out of 10 of their panelists said that, by the time they got 20 years later, less than half of them were actually still saying they wanted to be in CEO. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. My guest today is Peter Shine. Now, Peter has been on the podcast before. He and his late father, Edgar Shine, or commonly known as Ed Shine, they were on together about 18 months or two years ago talking about their most recent book at that stage, and sadly, Edgar Schein passed away in January. And by the signs of it, he was still heavily involved in the book up until that point. And Peter is coming on today to share some of those insights from their latest book, which is an update of Career Anchors, which was originally around in the 1980s. And I know certainly when I was looking into this type of stuff a number of years ago now at this stage, and I found an original research paper from Edgar Schein. So the name was kind of very familiar with me. A very pinch me moment when I had him on the podcast a couple of years ago. But we talk about the career anchors. There used to be five anchors. There's now eight anchors. So it was revised a couple of editions ago. This is the fifth edition of the book. And Peter has some really interesting insights to share. So I know it's certainly a common theme among people I'm talking to now is more of this idea of rather than being reactive when it comes to your career, being proactive. So not waiting for your organization to present opportunities or, you know, looking through job ads to see opportunities, but rather creating something that you want or being more proactive and taking full responsibility for your career. 
And this is a really great tool for understanding a little bit more about yourself, the decisions that you've made in your career up to now and how they align with where you would like to be essentially and how to bridge that gap or how to close that gap. As always, I will be doing a synopsis at the end of a summary of the key points that we talked about on today's episode. So do stay tuned for that. Peter Shine, you're so welcome to the Happier at Work podcast, your second time to be a guest. So I'm really delighted to have you back and talking about your latest book. Do you want to give people a little bit of an introduction, who you are, and maybe a brief overview about the book and what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful to be back. It's nice to see you again. And my name's Peter Shine. I spent the last six years or so working with my father, Ed Shine, who passed away in January, but we worked all the way to the end. And so he's at rest and, yes. um, but kept driving and contributing until the Amazing. very end. I think Amazing. How we, yeah. we all should strive for that. So Yes, absolutely. Um, so that was in January and this year, two works of his and ours come out. And the first one uh, is this book, Career Anchors Reimagine. And so this is the fifth edition of a book that was based on some research that was done in the 70s. Well, actually, 60s through 80s is probably yeah, more Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I remember when I was kind of looking at my career and, and trying to understand things, that would have been a really old research paper that popped up in the search results, I think is how I first came came across it. Right. And, and the idea of the research was that uh, Ed and his colleagues are social scientists. And so rather than applying a sort of a personality test to a career arc, it was, let's have a panel and let's track how people's careers evolved over a number of years. And the thing that's great and is also challenging about that kind of research is that you have to maintain the panel. Time is your friend because it's all about what's happened over that five-year block of career choices or so that research turned into a finding that there are some anchors that people optimize around in the career choices that they make. And in the original panel, there were five anchors. And in the current work, they evolved that ad and the other author, John Van Manen, uh, evolved that to become eight anchors mm. over the last couple editions of the book. And in this new edition, we've sort of changed the format and we've changed the way we present those anchors, those eight things that you optimize for. And I'll just give you a briefly a, a description of what anchors are, is they're sort of talents, abilities, and skills. So that's sort of in a traditional career assessment or a, or a career counseling, that's what you tend to focus on. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you're, why are you doing this? Well, you might be looking for a new job or you might be looking for a pivot or something. So you need to kind of have that mindfulness of who you are. This is it. But, Right. But it's also, um, what do you want and what do you need? Yeah. So mm. that creates a, a set of dimensions that influence the way you make career decisions. And again, the career anchors idea is that it, it creates a visual for you to understand the choices that you've made, not just who you are, but how does that relate to the choices that you've made? Because we, you know, are at any point in our career, 
we make good choices and we make bad choices. And <laughs> Absolutely. You, I can, you know, I can relate. I can relate. And so it's very important to sort of balance all of those things. And the way the book works is you respond to 32 prompts. Hmm. And that then allows you to sort of see a pattern around the choices that you've made. And then you also respond to 32 prompts around what you think you need to be, how you think you need to grow, what you hmm. think you want to do. Yeah. And so you end up getting this picture of who I am today based on the career decisions I've made. Who do I think I need to be based on changes in my life or different aspirations or whatever. Hmm. So it's a combination of accumulated work, you know, and choices that you've made that become a guide, but also a constraint. One of the things that I wanted to do in sort of recreating this book was recognize that anchors are both that. They're, they're, we think of a boat anchor as this thing that doesn't move. But career anchors are not just a restraint in that sense, but they're also a guide. And so I like to spend time on the water and happen to know about the concept of the sea anchor or drogue, which if you've ever been out in the water and you put out a sea anchor or a drogue, it stabilizes you. If things get really rough, the, the drogue helps maintain your, your direction mm. because the wind and the waves will take you anywhere. Well, the drogue, the sea anchor, in this sense, the career anchor kind of gives you a guide in, in turbulent times. So the whole idea of the book is that you have a visual for what your anchors or what your sea anchor looks like um, so that as you're making decisions, you can recognize who you are, how you've made decisions in the past, and what you need to optimize for as you make career choices. Brilliant. I love that. And Something that kind of sprung to mind, and it was from a conversation on a previous podcast episode with Ian, all about these, the idea of the, the towards move and an away move. So I think if you can describe where you've been and where you'd like to get to, the aim is to make a towards move towards what you want, rather right. than an away move away from what it is that you really want. And using that framework should essentially should help you to be able to do that. Brilliant. Love that. Do you want to talk it through what the eight anchors actually are? Sure. So this, I, just to, to give a little bit more on the arc of the book, and I and if I promise I will get to the eight anchors, but I, I do kind of... <laughs> we'll keep um, people listening a few minutes longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing is, with a lot of our books, we would sort of encourage people to, you know, maybe read the, read the final chapter first or, you know, flip around and find what's in with this book. We kind of want you to go through it one through eight. <laughs> yeah. We want you to go through the book linearly because the first thing we talk about is how much work has changed in the last, I mean, just the last five years. Yeah. Certainly since the last edition of this book, thing, a lot of things have changed and we have, you know, we're all familiar with terms like the great resignation or, you know, hybrid work or all of those things that are fundamentally different. Then certainly the, the original panelists for this work would never have imagined that you might have, you might live in a country that has a four day work week or you yeah, might, yeah, yeah. you know, or you might only really be asked to be in the office three days a week. 
Yeah. I mean, those things were inconceivable. So we, we kind of recognize that those, there have been a bunch of really tough challenges for people managing their careers over the last, certainly the pandemic and, you know, economic impact of the pandemic has changed things a lot. So we, we sort of level set on that and ask you to sort of, you know, write some down some reflections about how, you know, the last five years have impacted you. The next thing that we do is very important in that our view is that you don't make career choices in the vacuum, in, an, yeah. in a sort of an individual bubble. Mm. You're always making it in the context of relationships that you have in your life. Yeah. Uh, or in your work. So mm. you may be following in the path of a mentor. So you are not making career choices without some sense of what that mentor had done mm. or might do or would advise you to do. So we ask you to build a relationship map and think about the people who influence how you live your life, mm. what choices you make, what you value. And be very conscious of how you are making career decisions in that relational context. And we apply our relationships theory that, you know, essentially goes from exploitative relationships to transactional relationships, to personal relationships, to intimate relationships. And in you making your relationship map, we want you to be very conscious of are there transactional relationships that should be personal relationships in order to help you make better career decisions? And, and again, we talk through how to do this relationship mapping and how to think about those different levels of relationships that may help or hinder the choices that you want to make. Yeah. I love, I love that I, as an, as an idea, as a concept, because it's so true. We don't just make a choice for ourselves. We we do consider the other people that we have in our lives as well, whether that is someone who's a mentor or whether it's the personal relationships that we want to maintain. So you might choose to go and work in a specific place because it has flexible options, for example, and because you right. have other people in your life that you need to take care of. So it's, yeah, I love that idea. It's not just kind of a selfish thing that this is why we're choosing to do this particular career, but actually it exists within a wider context of of the relationships that we have in our life. Right. right. Mm. Love that. So then, so we go through that. And again, we're trying to sort of build mindfulness or careerfulness, right? Careerfulness. <laughs> you heard uh, it here yeah. first. <laughs> At the danger of coining another bit of jargon in English language. But <laughs> this is it, yeah. So the, then the thing that was always very important in the history of this work was the interview. Okay. Where you and a colleague, you and a partner, you and a friend, or as I wanted to say in this work, you and Zoom or you and a mirror or you and a phone, any sort of device that would, would allow you to effectively be explaining yourself to another person. Mm. Yeah, you could do it looking into a Zoom camera. And, and we give you a interview prompts, yeah. ask you to describe this, that, and, you know, choices here, you know, where'd you go to college? Did you go to college? So, so you build this set of insights and it's probably better to do it with another person 
yeah. but you don't have to. You, yeah. you can do this as an individual exercise. And it's, it's essentially a way of explaining the choices that you've made rather yeah. than being like, say, a job interview, for example. It's more about explaining, well, what made, you know, why did you do this or, or why didn't you do that? Right, exactly. Mm. And, and when, you, when you force yourself to articulate it, you know, you understand yourself better. Yeah. Right. It's very easy to sort of, you know, go through the questions in your head. Yeah. But we really want you to do it with a friend or do it with yourself, but actually go through and verbalize, you know, the choices you've made. And then you can go back and, and transcribe the recording and say, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. I really did do this, mm -hmm. even if I thought I was doing that. It's amazing the different results or the different things that you get rather than thinking about things in your head, even versus writing down, but versus verbalizing it and, and trying to explain and maybe justify why you've did right. certain things. I think it does make a huge difference. I think just getting it out there rather than yeah, being uh, stuck in your head all the time. Right. And you can play a lot of tricks on yourself when you're stuck in your head all the time. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did this because of this. And then when you actually talk about it and maybe yeah. someone even prompts you or they they kind of question, well, is that really the case? Or, you know, when you're actually talking to someone else rather than talking to your phone or talking on Zoom or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you it, it's someone else to hold dynamic you accountable. Too because, <laughs> because, you know, you, you don't want to spend your whole time justifying because your, your partner who's going through the questionnaire is getting sort of judgy, right? It's not, it's not supposed to be kind of a normative exercise. It's yeah, supposed yeah, yeah. to be a socialization exercise. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah. Yeah. If all you can come up with is a bunch of wrong choices you've made, well, you might as well give up. No. <laughs> There's always they're, something they're to be learned. Yeah, wrong yeah. choices. Yeah. They are Judgment just Judgment-free zone. <laughs> and so then after the interview, then we say, all right, now we can start talking about the anchors. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and So you don't even just, know about what they are until you go through that interview process. Right, right. Well, actually, wait, is that right? It's, or maybe you don't have that maybe, much detail. Maybe, I think we tried to not get people too focused on the anchors, well, I, I, I should add one other thing. We did have, there's a chapter that's sort of theory about the internal career versus the external career. Okay. So there really is who you are versus what your resume says you are. Oh, okay. it's, it, it's just important to be mindful of that distinction. Can, um, we, can we explore that topic a minute? Yeah. Um, I mean, that kind of really resonates with me. And I'm thinking not just resume, I'm thinking LinkedIn. And, you know, oftentimes when I'm talking to people for the first time, I won't necessarily go and read their LinkedIn because I want to hear their experience in their own words and why they made choices. And right. I'm not going to, on my LinkedIn, explicitly say why I took one job or left another job because, you know, there could be personal reasons associated with those. And there are. So when yeah. I'm talking to someone, I kind of explain my career history in a very different way than what, what you would ever see on my resume or what you would ever see on my LinkedIn profile as well. Right, right. I mean, I think it's, it's very true because, and I think with LinkedIn in particular, knowing that the audience for it is much 
way up into the right of what your, you know, traditional, you know, one or two page CD, LinkedIn's a completely, it's a mark and it's yeah. explicitly that. And yeah. you, you, you may not have thought of your paper resume as, you know, the, the door of your store, you know, the, <laughs> the your storefront, but yeah. it really is. Mm. And, and I guess the good news about LinkedIn and, and sites like that is that, you know, you realize there's nowhere to hide. I need to represent myself. Mm. But a lot of what, what this book is about is maybe drawing it closer to what your actual internal career is mm. so that you're not always continually feeling like you're putting lipstick on the pig or, you know, you're not just over-representing things that, that is just typical in, 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 you know, in LinkedIn profiles or resumes that you're yeah. over-representing um, some things and not others. And, and, you know, people who are hiring, get that. They can read yeah. through that, right? Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. You know, the, yeah, yeah. The, 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 Humans have a very good bullshit meter. It's been there for a while. It didn't, yeah. wasn't created with LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that just being that build, building that consciousness of that internal versus external. Yeah. I, would, I think it's, I think uh, it's really important. And presumably it brings you closer to something that you really want to do in that case as well. So again, whatever history you have is not necessarily what you want to do internally but I think oftentimes people fall into a career and they just continue in that career because it's what they've always done and you get to a stage where you think it's too late to change now and what skills do I have and I can't change industry there's all of these things that go on in people's heads I think which is it's not true in a lot of cases I think there are you know you can there's a lot of transferable skills that you can take from one industry to another and I think it should be encouraged to do that as well. I think that's absolutely right. And if, if we can help people be happier at work by having a little bit more of this sort of sense of I am who I am, and I just now have a better visual for who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking earlier, we, we you know, it's very common that people know their Myers-Briggs yes. type indicator profile. Yeah. yeah. I tend to think of that one as being a little bit reductive. Yeah. That, you know, that may become more of a constraint than a, than an enabler. It puts you into a box and if those four walls are walls, not doors. Yeah. Um, then that this may is not what be you helpful. should do because you're, that you have this label. You're more likely to be this. I mean, don't get me started on Myers-Briggs because of what I learned about it and, you know, I've used it over the years. And I've got different results. So this made a lot of sense when they told me when I was doing my master's, Myers-Briggs, it's not, it fails the test retest. So if you take the test again, you'll oftentimes get a different answer, which is not really conducive to, to something that's, you know, really strongly scientifically backed. But I do know my Myers-Briggs and I, it helps to explain a lot, I think. I yeah. always thought of it as a kind of a scale. So people who would perceive me as more extroverted Perhaps they're more introverted than I am because I always come up, well, sorry, one exception. I think I came up as E uh, for extroversion, but one time I came up, or sorry, most of the time I come up as an I, but that's not how I'm perceived by other people. But that could be in my own frame of reference, 
because they're more introverted. And so they perceive me as being more extroverted. So more of a scale uh, and relational type of scenario rather than you're in this box and that kind of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's, we should think of Myers-Briggs or the Clifton Strengths Finder, which is a very common tool or career anchors is we have to think of these as scales, not, not you know, levels yeah, boxes or, or whatever not, labels. Yeah. Yeah. It, and they're oftentimes they're sort of continua, you know, right. They're yeah. not, right. They're not just a point. They're a point on the scale. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's probably more realistic. It's a range on the scale. Yeah. 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 Um, and perhaps even at a point in time as well. So yeah. does it change over time? Yeah. Maybe it doesn't change over time or maybe it does. I mean, I guess our, our view would be the career anchors evolve. They, they may not change dramatically. Yeah. But I, I think if you did this 10 years ago and did it 10 years from now, your pattern might look a little bit different. Mm. Um, your, and the, the other thing that's different about this edition of our book compared to previous editions is in the past, it was your career anchor is. So there would be a top one and then there would be seven in declining order underneath that top one. Yeah. I think we all add, my father, Ed, and John and I all agreed that's not really right. Okay. But I was a little bit more vehement in saying I hated the way that was presented. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I know that I'm not. And then it's partly because, and I'll talk through the anchors, but it's partly because I didn't really like that image of myself that that was my anchor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, the, the idea in this book is that we present the anchors on a spider web or a radar scale, and then your pattern around those eight dimensions is sort of the image that you have. It's not what's my one anchor because what's my one anchor is a little bit more like what's my MBTI. Yeah. 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 It's not that simple, just mm. like we were saying. So what are these anchors? Uh, I'll just read through them quickly. Yeah. Um, the first one is technical functional. Okay. So use somebody who is, you know, deeply involved in a specialized, you know, a specialized profession, a particular kind of engineering, or, mm. you know, you're a, you know, a, a pediatric neurosurgeon or something. And it might be something that you have to maintain a credential in. You know, you may have to do boards every few years, or you might have to be tested to, to confirm this technical, technical functional skill. And there are a lot of people out there, particularly where I live in Silicon Valley, who have a very strong technical functional foundation. Yeah. So again, things that are interesting around that foundation and not other things is what you would optimize for if you're, if your primary anchor is technical functional. Yeah. 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 Um, next one is autonomy, right? So you have said to yourself and all the decisions, career decisions I've made, what I really value is my autonomy. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit different than technical functional where mm -hmm. that, that tends to combine the external and in, in, internal career pretty transparently, right? Mm. That it took a long time to become a pediatric neurosurgeon and people sort of 
understand that that is an extremely specialized skill. Yeah. Whereas it might be, it, it might be harder to sort of understand that you optimized for autonomy in the yeah. career decision. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, maybe you're a, you're an independent accountant. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, or maybe a traveling, traveling sales or something like that, where yeah. you're kind of responsible for yourself, essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you, you know, you, you had the opportunity to join a big firm and you said, eh, I value my autonomy more than that. Yeah. So you're, you're, you optimized around that choice. So the next one is it's, a, it was actually one of the newer anchors called challenge and risk is how we label it. But it's basically, you don't ever want to be too comfortable doing, you know, something that's simple. You always have to be finding something that is is, you know, sort of boil the ocean hard. Yeah. And, or you, you're sort of a risk junkie. Yeah. For a friend many, many years ago was a financial, you know, capital markets, financial instrument trader and was given the opportunity to become a manager in that same department or whatever. No, it was the, it was the challenge of, you know, your life on the line with every trade you make. That was what motivated him. He didn't want to manage other people doing that. He wanted to. Be... Can I just commend the self awareness around that though? Because I think a lot of people chase after that title. So it's really great to have that level of self awareness to say, I don't want to go for that title. I'm happy doing this day to day. And that is exactly right. And I would like to think in 2023, the world has embraced that idea. But when this research started at the Sloan School at MIT, Business School at MIT, Ed and other people working on it knew that those people were all going to say, I want to be the boss. I want to be the general manager. I want, you know, I'm at business school because I want to be a CEO. I think we've moved past that. And yeah. they discovered in the research that if nine out of 10 of their panelists said that, by the time they got 20 years later, less than half of them were actually still saying they wanted to be in CEO. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. CEO is pretty rarefied. Not everybody's yeah. going to want to be or able to be the CEO. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is it. So then there's entrepreneurial creativity, which is a little bit like autonomy, but here it's this, uh, you may want to be the boss. You want, want to be creating something new, but what it is, which might be more the technical functional anchor is less important than you want to be creating something new mm. and always, you know, it's again, out here in Silicon Valley, there's the concept of the serial entrepreneur and it kind of characterizes what this is that you optimize for new chances to build something. But once it gets to a certain size, you're going to bail and go on to the next one. Yeah. 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 Because you're just too much of a builder. Yeah. But you don't want to be a sustainer. You want to, okay. you just want to be always building something. Yeah. Um, then there's the general management anchor that I kind of implicitly referred to a couple of minutes ago, where you're making decisions around, I just want to build my organization. I want to be, you know, the boss of more people. I want to be a C-level in an organization. Mm. And I don't really care what we do or, or how we do it. I just, that's my aspiration is to be that yeah. general management boss. And again, I think in the 
50s through 80s, maybe generally business schools in the U.S. anyway, were sort of training people on mm -hmm. that track. Yeah. But we all yeah. know it's even then not everybody was going to be on that track. People were going to have other interests. They were going to optimize for other things. Yeah. So then there's a service anchor. And this is also one of the newer ones where people realize in themselves that what they're really optimizing for is ways to serve other people. So this might eat, this might be a, somebody in the medical profession or, or any of the different ways of service that gets expressed through our complicated healthcare system. <laughs> but it also might be somebody who is more interested in um, important sort of environmental issues. Okay. And they are a different kind of technology or a different kind of, you know, work lifestyle or mm. work style. So they, you know, they optimize around wanting to serve others or serve other causes. There's a couple, there's a couple more that, that are related. And then and I think, did you have your eight? Got That's them all. Six got six I have so far. Yeah. I have six. So yeah. then there are two anchors that sound similar, but they're, they're kind of not. One is called, we call it stability and security. And that is that you make career decisions as a way of maintaining your personal status quo or maintaining your personal sense of security and stability because you, you don't crave change or, or you may have many people dependent on you and just realize you can't take on a lot of risk. So you're opt optimizing around that, that sense of security. You know that your salary is going to take you out this many years or it, it's just, it's some people optimize for that. And then the last one is in, when it was in, it was created as one of the later anchors it was called lifestyle. And we realized that's, it's not lifestyle. It's that, and I think again, in 2023, I think we're much more cognizant of this um, idea that you are, most people are optimizing their personal and their professional lives. Yeah. The idea of somebody who's just, you know, 110% professional and sort of the train wreck of personal behind them doesn't <laughs> matter because they're just all about their profession. I don't, I, I think the pandemic sort of got us over that. Yeah. Little. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there's much more uh, of a blend, I think, between work yeah. and life these days especially right. with hybrid opportunities, remote working and things like that. I think there's there's much more of an opportunity to do that. And maybe in the past, I'm kind of thinking in the past, maybe people wouldn't have had or thought they didn't have that option for more of a lifestyle type of career choice, but now they do. Yes. And I think it it's embracing it as life work integration. Yeah. So true confession. When I did this a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago or something, I was, my, my anchor was lifestyle. And I said, geez, I've been working pretty hard. I don't, I don't know what, why is that? Yeah. But I, I recognized what I was motivated for and, and what I valued. It did involve my kids. It did involve yeah. the things that I like doing that are just work. It's not everybody, but I think, you know, we're finding that. Post pandemic, I think we kind of got real that, mm. you know, we're all trying to survive this thing. Yeah. And we're all trying to protect our families and we're all trying to protect people we love. And so, you know, maybe, maybe how we, you know, think about 
climbing the corporate ladder is a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And make kind of, make different choices, essentially, I think. Yeah. But um, no, that's shed some some really great light. And I'm kind of reading through them thinking, well, there's a few uh, that I could relate to. So I'm going to have to go and get the book now and go through and, yeah. and kind of understand it in a little bit more detail. I think you've you've provided some information there. But I think for me and for anyone who's making choices in their career, and I think you were talking earlier about career pivot. But for me, I think what I'm seeing more and more is people taking responsibility for managing their careers where previously we were kind of reliant on our organizations to present opportunities to us. I see a lot more people taking full responsibility for their careers, whether they're looking for opportunities internally or externally. So I think something like this is really valuable for understanding the choices that they've made up to now and maybe the direction that they want to go in next. Right. So we would view this as it's a it's sort of a project to go through with yourself and maybe with your partner or spouse or or a close colleague at work. Yeah. And go through and do it and consider it another way of having more insight to who you are and what you want to be. Put it next to your Myers Briggs or if you've done the Clifton Strengths assessment, put it next to that. In fact, there's an appendix in this book that compares them, compares what your career anchors might be if your Clifton strengths look like this. Oh, interesting. Or, yeah. I'd be curious to see that because so, I do have my Clifton strengths as well. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. think of it as just another way of having a little bit better insight into yourself. Yeah. And it's, we also set it up so that it asks you about the, you know, the assessment part of it, which is all online, by the way, you buy the book and you understand how the assessment works, but you're given a certificate to go online and then do it. And that creates your spider web. Brilliant. And your spider web is not just your anchors, which is the decisions you have made, but it's also how you want to grow. Yeah. So we ask you 32 questions in each category, and then you get a different pattern for the choices you have made and maybe how you would try to optimize for the choices that you will make. Brilliant. And with that, I also want to mention that, that in the final chapter, we reprint the famous Robert Frost poem, the road not taken. Yeah. I think that's what I, I was I, like, two roads diverge in a yellow wood. I, that, I yeah. always remember the first line, but I'm the, like, what is, is that the name right. of the poem? <laughs> the road not taken, right? The road not taken. And yeah. Two roads diverged in Yellowwood. Yeah. And so we reprint that and because we sort of want you to say, okay, I've gone through this thing and now there's this great poem. Why are they throwing this great poem at me? Yeah. Well, it's because it's a poem that can be interpreted as either go out there and be an individual and take the, the road not taken. But if you read the poem carefully, it raises this idea that maybe the traveler in this poem has made a horrible mistake. Yeah. And it wasn't this great American go out and be an individual and, <laughs> and take the road not taken. Maybe that was a horrible mistake. And that's how careers are. You come to a, you know, a road, you know, diverge in a yellow mm -hmm. wood. And, you know, maybe the, the one with the right path was the road that was trodden, not the one that was untrodden. So be aware of when you've made the right decisions and met maybe when you've made the wrong decisions. 
And it may not be something that that wrong decision may not have had any, you know, catastrophic impact on your career, but it might have. And it's yeah. just you know, being mindful of, of those mistakes mm. will help you not make as many in the future. Exactly. And for me, I always like to think of it as a learning opportunity. So anything that has gone horribly wrong in the past, it's more of an opportunity to understand more about myself, to grow in self-awareness. And so if anyone is listening today and they're thinking, I'm in that situation now where, you know, how can I get out of this situation? Think about what you can learn from it about yourself and what you want and, and what you might do differently next time. Right. And it's not just who you are, but it's what you've done. Yes. And how that is influenced by and influences the people around you. Yes. It's, your career oh, yeah. is always contextual. Mm. It's never individual. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, because, you know, when we were talking earlier, we were talking kind of about how the relationships influence you. But you're so right. The career choices you make influence those around you as well. Right. Yeah. So, Peter, if people want to find out more about you, if they want to buy the book, what's the best place that they can go? Sure. Well, the book is available, you know, on all the online resellers and it's published by Wiley, which is, you know, a big academic publisher. So pretty easy to get get a hold of it. It's, I don't know what the latest Amazon price is, but it's sort of $25, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, it changes every day. So <laughs> um, <laughs> this is it. And to get in touch with me, our organization is Organizational Culture and Leadership Institute, OCLI.org. And that's our website. And you can, you can reach me through that. And if you have questions for John Van Manen, who's other, one of the other co-authors, you can reach me, you can reach him through me as well. Brilliant. And he's still a professor at MIT. So, that, um, oh, very good. Uh, and he's had a lot of experience teaching this to Sloan fellows, to, to students. Yeah. So my perspective is relatively fresh compared to his. He's got yeah. years of experience. <laughs> he's been talking about it for a long this. time. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to just get people using it as yeah. a, you know, as a, as an, again, a career fullness idea. Yeah. Yeah. Career fullness. Love it. And use it in comparison to the other ones, because there's yeah. lots of other good assessments out there. It's just how can you get more insights into, into who you are, because It'll help you in an interview. It'll help you with a tough decision. Yeah. Um, it'll help you just sort of feel a better sense of who you are when you, when you finish a day of work. Absolutely. And Peter, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? Well, I, I think again, in the, in this context, in talking about career anchors, it's, it is that sense of groundedness, like, all right. If I'm feeling uncomfortable, let me sort of repaint my spider web in my mind mm. and remember kind of who I am, what kind of decisions I've made so that I feel grounded. I don't feel like my, my skills or my personality are in any way threatened. I'm comfortable in my own skin because I understand my own skin. Brilliant. Love that. Thank you so much for your time today, sharing your wisdom, sharing the insights from the book. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, loved having this chat today as well. So thank you so much. Likewise. It's great to see you again. And thank you for your interest. We're, you know, I, in fact, our second edition of Humble Leadership is coming out in a, in a few weeks. And um, it's 
So maybe I should go book another hour, Aoife. Is that there right? you go. Yeah. Talk hey. about the update there. Brilliant. <laughs> thank you so much, okay. Peter. All right. Thank you. Great pleasure. That was Peter Schein talking about the new revised edition of Career Anchors. And before I go on to summarize some of the key points and my key takeaways from today's episode, I wanted to remind you to get involved in the conversation. Have you used this tool in the past? What might you do differently as a result of listening to today's episode? You can reach me through any of my social media channels and they are all on my website, happieratwork.ie. So a couple of the things that I took from today's episode, I loved this concept of careerfulness. I haven't heard it before. So for me, it's kind of like, well, you heard it here first. And so I love that idea. And I also took this idea of who you are versus what your resume says. So who you are versus what your resume or what your LinkedIn says about you. So it's kind of the person behind just a list of accolades or a list of achievements. Who is the person behind that and what drove the decisions that you made as well? I'm going to do a recap of the eight anchors themselves. But before I do that, I wanted to remind you as well of this idea of relationship theory. So we don't exist by ourselves in a vacuum and our careers. There's other people who are impacted by our career choices, but also who have an impact on the choices that we make as well. So um, I thought that was quite interesting and I probably had never really considered it like that before. But it's, I think it's really important to, to consider that and to, you know, to really understand that. So the eight anchors, again, number one is the technical or functional, and that's really engineering or specialist medical field, essentially. Number two is autonomy. So seeking out those opportunities where you can have more freedom or flexibility or control over the decisions that you make at work on a day-to-day basis. Number three, then, is challenge and risk. So you're not kind of staying still or or not getting too comfortable, essentially. Number four, then, is the entrepreneurial creativity. So that's being the boss and creating new things. And I suppose it's about thinking about, do you like building versus sustaining? So if you're the kind of person who likes to get in and build things up, then maybe you won't hang around when it comes to that sustain stage, but you'll start another venture or, or join another company where you like to actually get to build things up from the start. Number five then is general management. And that is being a boss. And, you know, I think it was the presumed idea that if you go and do an MBA or some sort of a business degree, that that's where you're going to end up and you want to get to CEO level. That's not necessarily the case anymore. But really, general management is about managing across multiple different things. Number six, then, is about service. So it's being in service to others. And the examples that Peter shared in relation to that will be medical. So it could be doctor or nurse or environmental causes as well. Number seven, then, is stability and security. They are the people who don't necessarily like change. So they like to maintain that status quo. They like that sense of stability and knowing things are going to essentially stay the same. Number eight, then, is lifestyle. So that's optimizing your work to support the lifestyle that you have rather than trying to fit your life into the work life that you have. So I thought that was quite interesting and probably seeing a lot more of that since the pandemic. Now, what the Career Anchor Tool does is measures you based on the decisions that you've made in your career up to now so that you can see where you've been in the past. 
And then it also plots where you would like to be. And you can look at the difference between where you are and where you'd like to be and what that gap is. And, and, and essentially, what are the steps that you need to take to close that gap? That is it for today's episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do let me know what you think. Do connect on social media. You'll find all of my links on the website happieratwork.ie. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. And if you've made it this far, well done you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a rating, a review or share it with a friend. I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. And also, if you'd like to know more about how I can help you or your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.